Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C, good to have y'all today for our Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. We have Kate and Tina and Craig and Derek at the moment. Good to have you guys. I do want to make a couple of announcements. Two meetings. Marla didn't make it today. She's got some sickness in the family, so y'all say a prayer for her. Uh, Zoom, uh, DailyRecoveryMeeting.com is a 1 p.m. Eastern meeting Monday through Friday. It's uh, any addiction, just a, uh, just a recovery meeting is all. Uh, no particular format. Uh, that's the link to the Zoom account, uh, the, the direct Zoom link. Then there's ZoomAAMeetings.com, which is a direct Zoom link to uh, a nightly 9 p.m. Eastern meeting every night with a speaker meeting on Saturday. So anyone in need of a meeting now, especially in the interim here between when a lot of local meetings that were meeting by Zoom are not anymore, but yet clubhouses are not entirely open. I think meetings are needed more now than ever. Uh, do y'all have any other meetings y'all would like to bring up or discuss or links? Um, I'll try to put some other resources uh, in the notes for you or some links to where you can find some resources because it's important that we stay connected. Also, I have uh, Sensei scheduled in a couple of weeks to be with us. So we need to come up with our questions for Sensei. And uh, anything related to anything, really, uh, spiritually, I'm going to ask him about meditation and a couple of other things. So um, just be working on your what questions you have for him. And if you think of any last minute, we can just talk to him about it. But he wanted them beforehand so he could be prepared. But a really nice guy. He can answer anything that we, you know, that we have. So uh, Can I ask you a question about him? I, I listened to the podcast last week, and I know he's a Zen, like a Zen Buddhist kind of expert. Right? Um, should the questions be around the Tao or just like anything? Anything. Okay. It could be any, like I'm going to ask him about, uh, they meditate with their eyes open. They do a gaze when they meditate, like toward the wall. They don't close their eyes. And I want to know why that is, you know, why. And I want to talk to him about uh, emptiness. I've got a couple of questions around that. Just just anything that you would want to discuss with him or anything about the Tao. Um, I posted some um, recovery uh, or some articles he wrote. Um, and I, my questions based around those articles, I'll put them in the, in the group, but, uh, I can post them again. If you, if you, if you have problems locating them there, there's several articles he wrote and I, my questions were around those articles actually. Okay. So he's really good guy. Uh, you could, uh, I know Craig's gonna have some questions around the three pillars of Zen, right? You're, you're going to ask him about move. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. <a> yes. 
<laughs> but uh, he, uh, he he's really a good, nice guy. I like him. I like him. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that would be good. And I found a couple of podcasts this week I want to mention. I found one. I know there's a lot of people who listen that are Christian that like, that see the ideas of the Tao and studying the Tao Te Ching. And that's how I got started was looking, and I see a lot of relation between the two. This one's called A Christian Reads the Tao Te Ching. And it is very good. I like uh, listening to the, the guy that, uh, that does this. He's, he teaches school in Syria, actually. I think kind of a missionary trip kind of thing. And so he, he's teaching school in Syria, and he's talking about um, – he's, he's pretty knowledgeable. I'm enjoying his conversation. Then I've got another one I want to mention. It's called Spiritual Awakening Radio. And it's this guy's face with a blue background. See, kind of odd looking logo. But his name's James Bean. Not Jim Bean, but James Bean. And uh, he, uh, when I first started looking at alternatives, I found his podcast actually on YouTube. And it just now, he just now added it to uh, Stitcher, I believe, very recently. So now on Android, I've been able to listen to him on, in, a, in the podcast and not have to listen to him on YouTube. But he taught me a lot about meditation when I first started. I got all my questions answered. He introduced me to the Nag Hammadi and all of the alternative Christian writings. He talks about all those things, too. Very, very good. I, I would very much recommend his podcast, his Spiritual Awakening Radio. Um, and he also responds. If you email him, he'll respond. He'll send you uh, like he'll PDFs and things that he's researched. He's a very good resource. So I would definitely recommend him. Kate, are you ready to read? I am. Have at it, dear. All right. So this week it is... Great knowledge. So, great knowledge sees all in one. Small knowledge breaks down into the many. When the body sleeps, the soul is enfolded into one. When the body wakes, the openings begin to function. They resound with every encounter, with all the varied business of life, the strivings of the heart. Men are blocked, perplexed, lost in doubt. Little fears eat away at their peace of heart. Great fears swallow them whole. Arrows shot at a target hit and miss, right and wrong. That is what men call judgment, decision. Their pronouncements are as final as treaties between emperors. Oh, they make their point. Yet their arguments fall faster and feebler than dead leaves in autumn and winter. Their talk flows out like piss, never to be recovered. They stand at last, blocked, bound, and gagged, choked up like old drain pipes. The mind fails. It shall not see light again. Pleasure and rage, sadness and joy, hopes and regrets, change and stability, weakness and decision, impatience and sloth. All are sounds from the same flute, all mushrooms from the same wet mold. Day and night follow one another and come upon us without our seeing how they sprout. Enough, enough. 
Early and late, we meet the that from which these all grow. If there were no that, there would be no this. If there were no this, there would be nothing for all the winds to play on. So far can we go, but how shall we understand what brings it about? One may well suppose the true governor to be behind it all. That such a power works, I can believe. I cannot see his form. He acts, but has no form. Thanks, Kate. I thought this one was very interesting. Which part did you land on? Did you land on the knowledge or the fear or something else? I kind of landed on the opposites part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I liked that it was kind of like, you know, we're all one, but they kind of think of, they, we conceive of ourselves as being separate. But no matter how separate we think we are, we're not really separate. And it's kind of a delusion that we are one thing, like, I am good, and we're crippled by that. Because really everything is is one. Because if I'm right, you have to have wrong to have right. So, like, in order to have pleasure, you have to have rage. You have to have sadness to know joy. You, in order to know how to be good, you have to understand how to be bad or you can't be good. You know? Um, so, like, if I'm going to choose to make the right choice in something I have to know I have to have seen what the wrong choice is to in order to make the right choice right Mm -hmm. so it makes me think about like if I like just the those opposites like they have to one side has to exist for the other side to exist that's kind of what struck me about it I like the where he talked about that men call judgment, decision, their pronouncements are final. And then it goes on to say that their minds fail from their judgments. You know, that they make these decisions and plan their life by what they decide to their detriment. Uh, And I was reminded of a quote from Jampowski's Love is Letting Go of Fear. Uh, to choose not to distort certain aspects of the past to form a judgment about which I measure people. So the idea that we, and all that's based on fear, because if, when you back up from there, it says little fears eat away uh, our piece of, their peace of heart. Great fears swallow them whole. So it really all comes from fear that we start making these judgments, distorting aspects of the past, and make these judgments that we measure everything by. We measure what's good and what's bad. Um, With the hope and regrets, I was thinking about a Tao quote that says, fear and hope are both illusions, not just fear. And for a long time, I thought, "Mm, I don't understand why hope would be an illusion. But but after reading this, it makes a little more sense because I'm still forming a judgment. I'm not accepting things as they are. 
I'm hoping that they change to something else instead of accepting it as it is. So both ends of the spectrum, you know, one of the spectrum can't be an illusion without the other end being an illusion. So that, that, uh, that makes a little more sense to me. Because they're part of the same thing. Right. Right. Exactly. All sounds from the same flute is how he put it. All mushrooms from the same wet mold. But we're only trying to see part of it. Is that what he's kind of saying? I think we're making a judgment based on our fear. We're deciding based on fear how things are instead of accepting them as being, you know, without trying to change them, letting go of our uh, expectations. Because what makes me unhappy most of the time is not the situation, but me wanting the situation to be different. It's really not the situation at all. Most of the time that's causing me angst. I mean, granted there's things I don't like and okay, I can just not like something, but what causes me, issue is the fact that I want it to be different than it is. And I think that's what this is saying is that it's all coming from the same source. Why don't we just accept it as it is? It's all music from the same instrument. One true governor, one God, one Tao to be behind it all. That such a power works. I can believe I cannot see his form. He acts, but has no form. Craig, what do you have? So the, so the first translation of the, the, the first verse of the Tao, um, where it says, free from desire, you realize the mystery. Caught in desire, you only see the manifestations. So when you're free from desire, if you look at desire as in something that we want, because if, if we're desiring something, then we're looking for a specific outcome, uh, and it's an outcome that's, that's going to benefit us. We obviously don't look for a benefit that's, or a desire that's not going to benefit us, because that doesn't, that doesn't make sense as doing that. Um, so you realize the mystery, which is more of the spiritual side of the Tao. If you're caught in, if you, when you're caught in desire, so when you're actually doing the desire, you're only seeing the manifestation, which is the, which is the, the physical things or like the materialistic things. So if we're looking at things from, if you're looking at things from a, a fear standpoint, then I think we're looking more materialistic. If we're looking at things from a love, then we're looking more spiritual. But it's kind of finding the finding the right balance because you can't have one without the other. So it's, it's drawn that line as to where we desire and where we don't desire. And I think it does come down to expectations and what am I expecting out of, you know, out of relationships with people? I think something like that's there's, there's another quote in the doubt that says act without expectations. I think we just do the next right thing and just come at things with the right intentions. But I like the, I like the, the the same as what Kate was saying, the, the, the pleasure and the read, the sadness and joy. It's kind of like the paradoxes. And then I'm doing a couple of um, I'm doing a couple of uh, step sixes at the moment. We're talking about the seven sins, so we're talking about pride, envy, lust, gluttony, and that sort of thing. Um, and it's trying to it's trying to have those defects of character removed from you. But again, it's we're always going to have that sort of thing, and we can't we can't experience pleasure without experiencing pain because without the one, there isn't there isn't going to be the other. Isn't it interesting, too, how fear and judgment and decision take us out of the moment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you look, pleasure, rage, sadness, joy, how many of those things are we talking about 
experiencing in the moment, the majority of the time, their expectations. I mean, I'm sad because things aren't the way I want them to be. I'm happy because they are the way I want them to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still expectations, you know, either way. Just because you're getting what you expected doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> and then once we're actually- God blessing you. You know, in yeah. and when when we do actually get what we want, then we're going to want more because we're not going to be happy with what we've what we've got because it's it's not lived up to the expectations that we were wanting. So we just continue to want, so we, we continue just, to be just, unhappy. Yeah, we just, yeah, we keep wanting until we until we end up having nothing left, and then we realise that we could have been happy. We could have been happy to start with. I heard a story about. I heard a story today. Um, it was a, the Joel Osteen podcast. And he was talking about uh, a rich, a rich dad that wanted to show his son how well off they were, or how how lucky they were. So he took them to live with a poor family, and the poor family had one TV, and they all crowded around it at night time, and they, they had four dogs that they chased, and they, they didn't have a swimming pool. So at the end of it, the dad says, "So, so son, what did you what did you learn from that?" He says, "These guys are so happy. They have they, they don't have a swimming pool, but they've got a stream at the bottom of the garden that just keeps going on and on forever." They don't have one dog to play with. They have four dogs to play with. We've all got televisions of our own, so we've got six televisions, but they've got one and they spend so much time together. So they're, they're, really, the, they're really the ones that are lucky. They're, they're the wealthiest ones. I think it's because he's got a, a completely different outlook to what, what wealth and materialism actually, actually mean to somebody. You know, grass is always greener. Still needs cut, though. It does, doesn't it? It's, it's not your grass, so stop looking at it. Yeah, it's interesting how all of this is or all of this is aspects of fear. I think when you think about it, the judgment, making our mind up, all of that's aspects of fear, not realizing it's all from the same source. I think it was interesting how they didn't different didn't really differentiate between great knowledge and small knowledge. Whereas great knowledge you would normally you'd normally attribute to wisdom. Yeah, both the translations I have of that say that great knowledge is all encompassing mm-hmm. or all in one. And then the second one is limited or breaks down into many limited. I thought I saw them both as being not being good, but maybe the first one's good and the second's not. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, one's good as another one. I was just. I, that's why I went through the Tao and found a bunch of scriptures about not knowing. You know, mm-hmm. because I. That's what I was thinking about. But the more I, the more we talk about this, I think it's really more about the fear and uh, expectations that come out of that to, to try to, uh, mask our fear, try to satisfy our fear. What about the part where it says little fears eat away? Uh, little fears eat, eat away their the, the little fears eat away their peace of heart. Great fears swallow them whole. Uh, the other tra- the Fang translation I have of that says little fears cause anxiety. Mm-hmm. Great fears cause panic. Both are bad. Both are both have ill have. Uh, negative results. It's interesting how our little fears, a lot of times we don't deal with. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we just let them go. You know, we're not, we know we're not supposed to be afraid of the big things, but the little things we kind of let slide sometimes. And I, think, fear. I, I, I think sometimes it's the opposite with myself. I think sometimes it's the, the, it's the little things that, that kind of mount up and tend to bother me the most. Whereas big things, big things I can usually deal with. Um, I've spoken about it before. It's the shoelace effect. Something really simple and something something so small that shouldn't go wrong that does go wrong. That's the things that really. It's, I'm having issues with my car at the moment, and it's just the same thing over and over again. And every time I take it to the garage, the guy fix it. And, it comes back and I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, do you know what, let's just get rid of the car. Whereas if it was something big, if the car blew up, I'd be like, oh, you know, the car blew up. But I, think it's just, I think it's just the fact of, and plus it's, it's, it's probably unknowing as well, the, the uncertainty of, of some of the little fears. Or our fears from thinking we need to know. Mm-hmm. So instead of being okay and accepting with not knowing we do these other things to pretend we know. It goes, again, it goes back to desire, and because when we desire something, then we're expecting an outcome. We could expect a we could expect a date for for lockdown being lifted. I don't think things would be as bad because there wouldn't be the uncertainty going on. At least I've got a definite answer of what's happening. I think I would be easier in myself if I knew what was going on. But again, we're powerless. It's, it's going back to serenity prayer. You know, there's there's loads of things that I'm not. I'm not capable of actually actually dealing with. I think that's why, you know, when when I worked my fourth step, and this is something my sponsor really helped me with, was that regardless of what's going on, there's fear behind it if I look deep enough. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing with my character defects through my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions is I'm trying to protect that fear. I'm trying to make myself feel better about whatever it is that I'm afraid of. I'm trying to protect that instead of being with the fear, surrendering the fear and letting the fear go. I'm doing the opposite. I'm doing everything I can to support that fear. I think, I think I've yet to do a fourth step that comes from a place of love. None of the, none of the defects of character are happiness, joy. It's all, it's all fear, envy, greed. There's fear in some form and then there's fear behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm never angry for no reason. Anger is a secondary emotion. There's something behind the anger. And if I get far enough, mine is normally a fear of being embarrassed, the fear of not pleasing. That's what's normally behind my stuff. Yeah, it is. it's interesting as well because the um, we always do the what's the um, what's the payoff for keeping this defect of character? Which you know, we always come up with something as well to say. You know, I get to I get to talk trash about somebody. I get to do this, that, the other. Not once has anybody actually sat down and says, you know, what? there's absolutely no benefit whatsoever of me holding on to this. You know, can I just let it go? We still want to. We still want to keep hold of it because there's that certain there's that certain aspect of us that that just want to sit and bitch about somebody or sit and talk about somebody or feel that little bit better than everybody else. Yet their arguments fall faster and feebler than dead leaves in autumn and winter. We want to protect this fear and hold on to this fear when it's no more than dead leaves. It has no more power. It's not going to last any longer than leaves in autumn and winter. It's, <laughs> it's, it's funny as well because I was, I was doing one doing one at the weekend there. 
and something popped up, and I said, "So, did, is it really worth? Is it really worth keeping going with this?" Yeah, well, maybe you know, I kind of, I kind of think that maybe I said, "No, it's, it's not a maybe." I said, "Yes or a no?" Yeah, well, do you know, what? I, I kind of think I was like, "No, no, it's <laughs> yes or no." You know, that's interesting <laughs> because that step, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. I've just done a six step with someone too, Craig, this week, and we're entirely ready. So it's about being entirely ready. It's not about asking God to remove anything. It's about, am I ready for God to remove? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the exact same as doing the men's, you know, you, you, some of the men's you can't do there and then, but it's having that willingness to do it when the opportunity arises and when the time's right to do it, you're still willing to do it. It's really about another level of surrender where mm-hmm. you're, yeah. You're just ready. Yeah. You have yeah. no agenda. You know, and that's why Bill Wilson, when he wrote the 12 and 12 on the sixth step, and he was, he said, hey, we've got to be, we can't say no, never, even though we may enjoy some of our defects, but we can say not yet instead, you know, don't say no, never, no matter how much you enjoy some of your defects. So, you know, then you've got the other end of the spectrum where you've got things that you really enjoy that you really don't want to let go of, you know, and that's another level of, uh, um, you know, there may be aspects of control and other things that you really enjoy and you don't want to let, you know, you don't want to let go of those things. So, and all of that is hidden within pleasure and rage, sadness and joy. What if God, okay, here's one. What if you surrender to God and he wants you to go be a missionary in Africa? You know, the extremes. Okay. I can't do something like that. So I'm not really wanting to surrender that much. I just want to surrender enough to be happy. Right? That's kind of the trap we get in. But if we get into that trap, we're still in the trap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We might be in a different place in it, but we're still trapped. You know, so I don't think God asks us to do anything that we're not capable or prepared or is our purpose. And I think at at the same time, we did say we'd go to any lengths. We said that. Yeah. So if you got the address for that missionary, I'll go and let Louise know that I'm, I'm moving out. We said that, that we would go to any lengths, but most of us, I don't know anyone that really goes to any lengths. We go a long way toward it. Yeah. <laughs> but any length, we, we yeah. might go to, I've gone to any lengths to get sober, but any lengths to practice these principles in all our affairs. No, I don't think we're there yet. I like some of my affairs. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think, and that's where this is. If we're afraid we're not going to be happy, or we're afraid we're not going to have stability in life or all those other things that we put in there that think we think are going to make us happy. I think we've got to come to the point or I know I do where I just surrender it all and just, just be ready for whatever's next and learn to live in that vulnerable not knowing, getting back to that knowledge, 
getting rid of the knowledge, just not knowing, just being open and letting, letting, letting life just go and just mm -hmm. watch it unfold in front of you. I think, uh, like the seconds in the beginning of this, where it says when the body sleeps, the soul is enfolded in one. When the body wakes, the openings begin to function. That makes me think, you know, when we're, when we're not focused or when we're sleeping, we're, we're with the Tao. We're one with the Tao because we're not distracted by all of these, like, by our fears, by our, you know, desires that we have, um, by all these little things in the varied business of life, like it says on there. You know, we're not distracted by all these little things that are taking us away from the Tao. You know, so, um, but I think with our work in the steps, we are trying to get back away from being distracted by those things. You know, we're trying not to go with our character defects and trying to get away from those fears. You know, I, I've been working on a fourth step just lately, and it's really surprising how how many fears I actually have that run my life. You know, I, I've done a four step before and I was like, Oh, I'm good. Then I've just been doing another one. And it's like, Whoa, yeah. I have so many resentments and fears that are secretly hidden inside me. I was like, I don't have any resentments. And it's like, Oh, I have a lot of resentments. <laughs> and most of them are based in fear, you know? And it's like, those things are, are pushing me towards being that like clogged up drain pipe that it's talking about there. I'm with you, Kate. We need to be free. The free. Yeah. I find my fourth set very liberating. I actually enjoyed, I enjoyed the end result of my, my fourth set. Not so much realizing the fact how much work that I had to do, but it's a fact of how much, how much angst and how much, how much fear was actually inside of me. And it's stuff that you didn't, it's stuff that you don't even realise. He's nipped away. I turned up to my four-step with two things. And he's like, are you sure? <laughs> I had to go back and do it again. He's like, are you sure that's all you've got? I wanted to read a Bible verse for you guys that reminded me of this. If I can find it. This is Galatians 5. 13 through 18 in the message version. I've talked about this before. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. That's verse 13 and it goes on from there, but when I first read that, it says, hmm, don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. I was like, I thought the reason I was free was so I could do whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> I thought that was the purpose of being free, you know? And it said, rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. So I said, so 
what freedom do I have if my freedom's not for me to do what I want to do? That doesn't sound like freedom. And then I realized what it's saying is not, uh, is that we're to be, we're called to a free life, but it's not free to do whatever we want to do. It's freedom from having to do whatever we want to do. Whatever, you know, that, that we're free from ourselves. So I think in the same way, this is talking about being free from ourselves, being free from our fears, big fears and small fears, being free from having to chase pleasure or live in rage, free from sadness, free from joy, having to chase joy, free from having to chase hopes and and have our regrets. Free from chasing security, free from our weakness and our indecision, free from impatience and sloth, free from all those things is what this is talking about. When I read that originally, I changed the word freedom to recovery. Use your use your freedom to serve. Use your use your recovery to serve other people. That's that's what the that's what the whole twelve steps is about. Yeah, it's not to give us somewhere to hide out the rest of our life. Is yeah. to make us useful. Let's use it. Use it for use it for the will of God. Use it. Use it for the benefit of, of other people that are struggling. And the freedom in our life grows when we serve one another in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the same way that we're talking about here. That when we get free of our fears, we can live above these extremes. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And, you know, there's a peace in knowing it all is God. You know, I, I heard a, when I, years ago in church, they were talking about the guy came out and he saw the devil sitting outside the church with his hands all, with his head in his hands all upset. And they said, what's wrong? He says, those folks in there are blaming me for all this stuff I never did. <laughs> you know, and I got to thinking about that. And I was reminded of that, you know, with what we're talking about is that we want to blame outside sources for our problems, you know, when it's just our fear, our fear is what binds us. It's just our fear. And we can surrender that fear. We can go help somebody else with their fear. I was reminded, what's the, uh, the daily reflection? I think it's May 9th. The lady that had the, I think it's a lady, uh, that had a fear of elevators and she decided she was going to face her fear. So she went to the elevator. She found her an elevator and asked God to help her. And she walked in the elevator and there's someone cowered in uh, in the corner that was afraid of elevators. And so she went over and helped them and she was no longer afraid. And I think that's the way this works. We surrender it to God and then God makes a way for us to get past it many times for me through helping someone else. And it's more of that being ready for the defect to be removed. It's not that we have to create a situation or make it happen or force it or pray harder. We just have to be available. That's all we have to do is be available. Um, That that reminds me of the the main thing I got from this. Um, This is Derek. That... um, where I keep going back to what you were just talking about really makes sense because 
it starts with this idea of going to sleep, being able to sleep. And when I read that, I was like, and since we've been talking about it, I keep thinking the same thing is this one hasn't changed it. I, like when we sleep, we return to, I think Kate said the Tao. I was thinking God, whatever, you know, I think it was supposed to be the same thing in this context. Whatever, it's that something, I was thinking about this, like when we sleep, we, we become, um, we heal, we, we rest, we uh, receive energy. Um, if we don't sleep, we, we die. <laughs> I mean, we, we slowly um, become agitated in, in our immune system weakens. And um, the easiest way for me not to sleep is kind of like what Craig is talking about, like to have like a little thing. Like I, I like to focus on the things, turn the little things into big things. Like I remember hearing a guy in an AA meeting one time say, I have a magic mind, magnifying mind. Well, so do I. And I think a lot of people do. Um, and a lot of people in recovery definitely do. I've heard other people say similar things, but I have one of those and I can turn a little thing into a big thing. And just even like a remark somebody made in a meeting that to them was a joke. And now here I am not sleeping three nights for it, not returning to God. But um, I know this is not about, this is, this is not about sleeping. It's about, uh, it seems to be more about what you guys are talking about, like our judging and our deciding. Like I also, when you first said hope is the same, is just as bad, hoping is bad as deciding. I was really sad to hear that because I like the idea of hope. You know, um, but do you so, see the trap? Do you see the hope trap, though? Dude? Yes, yeah, no. After you explain it, I got it. Yeah, because, but it feels good to hope. Like I guess that's what you guys are talking about with. Uh, well, well, this is the thing, the Derek. Difference. Think about this. Yeah. Uh, I learned this from my Zen meeting a few weeks ago. If our situation, how much acceptance, how much further we get toward acceptance. If we're in a situation, let's say it's a physical ailment of some type, if we can learn to accept it as what if this doesn't ever change or get any better? I know that sounds like a doubt. Oh, yeah. But sure, when yeah. you think about it, you know, it gives you a level of acceptance in. Yeah. In just I got it. Go on that does make sense. Moment. Okay, yeah, for sure. Like if you're losing a limb or, you know, something bad like that that you know like the terry fox story oh you just remind me of the terry fox story i never thought about that movie in years when i was a kid watched this movie called the terry fox story on hbo and i don't know why it had a big impact on me but this guy lost his leg but he was a track runner so he spends the rest of his life trying to become like the fastest one-legged track you know athlete but then he's like met continues to tear his body down and it's like the whole story is like him um trying to be the fastest guy, but he keeps damaging himself, even like with these prosthetics and stuff. It's based on a true story apparently. But yeah, what if he had just said, this is, I have one leg now. I don't, I'm not a track runner. I don't know. I'm just, just trying to think like maybe he could accept it. Right. Who knows? You know, <laughs> I mean, know, and that's the thing is if I can accept my situation as it is, I come a lot further to having peace than I do constantly trying to change it to something different. Yeah. Even though once I start accepting things, things seem to get better. I don't understand that quandary, you know, of how that works. 
But when I accept things as they are, then, and quit trying to change them, they usually change to something better. <laughs> and I don't understand why that is, but it doesn't come from my excessive effort to make it better. Yeah. That's the difference, I think. You know, that that's the... That's that wu-wei effortless effort stuff, you know, and that where where hope and acceptance and all meet. You know, everything mm-hmm. meets at some point there, you know. And I by no means have that figured out. By no means. But So um, just to be clear, it's not about inaction or no, no, not full of doing action. anything. Because yeah. when I think, when I was first thinking, I was thinking of sleeping, it's like, is this thing all about, okay, it seems like every hope, desire, judgment, decision is bad, you know, but it's not about that. It's about your hope, desire being based in fear. Okay. Is this a desire that's based in fear or let, let's do the opposite. Is it, or is it a desire that's based in love? Like the lady in the elevator. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that works whenever, like, I know this is something personal, but when we were talking about my going to a party where people are drinking and being kind of distraught about that, and then what if I went there and think about, like, being of service, and, like, that's the thing I focused on? That worked. I would actually, like, enjoyed the quote-unquote party, you know? Yeah, and you were going to do something nice for your wife because she is. The beach, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, and in that way, <laughs> you're coming from a love motivation, not right. a fear, not a fear yeah. motivation. That's a great yeah. example of, of, I think, what this uh, uh, poem's talking about. Right. Cool. Yeah, that, that's a very good example. Thank you, Derek. That's good. You're welcome. Thank you. Anything else, guys? We got a lot more out of that than I thought. I think I'm going to title this Freedom from Fear. Um, I was looking forward to the next one. It's I haven't read it. It's called The Pivot, which that sounds good. It's The What? The Pivot. I haven't read it either. I'm going to have to look at it. Because this one to me kind of ends without taking it completely where we took it. You know? It's interesting, though. This one and the last one both came back to this power of the Tao. The true governor? Yeah. One source, the power of Tao, you know, and then the power behind wind. Anything else, guys? The fear really is, for me, it's all about surrendering to that fear. And I've been studying this uh, Joko Beck book, Everyday Zen, and she talks about this talks about everything is fear-based too, and they overcome their fear through meditation. Everything sitting is what they call it, is sitting, and that it's all fear-based, and that we sit with our fear, and that we look at our fear, and that we realize our fear is an illusion. It's not real. There's nothing to fear. That doesn't mean that we don't take caution about things that are dangerous, but we don't have to be afraid of things. Like, I ride my motorcycle, I wear my Kevlar, and I wear my helmet, and I wear gloves. Because if I fall or wreck, I want to be as healthy as I can, but I don't go around every corner barely going, afraid someone's going to hit me. That would be fear. 
It's not fear doing the things that, you know, make sense using common sense. So that's, that's different. I've, I always have someone ask me about that difference, you know, but that's, I think all fear is an illusion as far as things that we actually fear and not are cautious about. That's not, that's not the fear I'm talking about, but, but this has been real good. Anything else before we close? Thanks guys. Y'all have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery. 